and welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Van Doren, and in this podcast, I talk with some of the most creative and inspiring people that I know. From hearing about their process to what holds them back from creating, routines and rituals, to the intersection between creativity and spirituality, you'll hear from writers, actors, singers, dancers, musicians, painters, multi-passionate creatives, and anyone else who considers themselves a creative soul. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. And so excited to introduce my guest to you this week, Hannah Francis. So Hannah is a singer, songwriter, and Balkan folk dance teacher who is obsessed with self-help and believes you can be a little happier right now with the intentional use of music, both in the experience of it and creating it. Her songs, weekly blog, monthly newsletter, podcast, and YouTube dance lessons are all rooted in the belief that music is a form of therapy and self-hypnosis. She consciously uses the power of song to elevate you up the emotional ladder. I enjoyed my conversation with Hannah so much. I think we connected on so many different things and kind of have similar parallel upbringings. She grew up surrounded by Eastern European musicians and was introduced to things like Balkan folk dance and folk music at a really young age. And I was introduced to classical music at a really young age. So kind of grew up in these parallel backgrounds, even though before this episode, I really knew nothing about folk dance or folk music. And now um, you have to take her suggestion. She suggests to watch Serbian weddings on YouTube. And I have to say they are well worth the little Google search. So definitely check that out. Uh, We also talk a lot about songwriting and how the power of songwriting and creating words and music from your creative soul can really help aid in the emotional process of therapy and, and really talks about her journey of how songwriting helped her heal some of the more traumatic or emotional moments processing some of your life experiences. We also talk about how to navigate both the input and output of the creative process and how to balance all of that. And yeah, I think you'll really enjoy this episode with Hannah. She is such an infectious energy and it was one of those episodes where I just felt like so inspired and so filled up after talking with her and after listening to it back. So I hope you feel the same. And Hannah also just launched her podcast. We talked a little bit about it on this interview and it was launched a couple weeks ago, the Self-Help Songwriter Podcast. So definitely check that out. And I just have to plug that she also is giving mini YouTube tutorials on how to Balkan folk dance. So if you listen to this episode and you're inspired to check out the world of Balkan folk dance, definitely check out her YouTube channel. I also put that link in the show notes. And then I just want to mention on a personal note that this is episode 49 and we are reaching episode 50 next week, which I can't even believe that we've published 50 episodes thus far and so I'm going to be planning a very special solo episode next week with a Q&A and talking about everything that I've learned throughout a year of podcasting and would really appreciate your support. So I'm trying to get more and more people to rate and review the podcast 
my goal is to reach 50 reviews by episode 50. And so I would love it if you are listening to this episode, if you could help me out with that goal and just leave a rating and review. And when you do, I will send you a free guided writing meditation. If you send that screenshot to me on my Instagram at Leah Van Doren, which is all in the show notes, um, would love to hear your thoughts. And just thank you so much for your support. I cannot believe we are reaching episode 50 next week. So with all of that, here is Hannah Francis. Hi, Hannah. Welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm a fan myself. So now this is meta moment. <laughs> oh my gosh. Love that so much. So the first, you, you know, then the first question I ask everyone is what is currently fueling your creative soul? Yes. I've been thinking about this. <laughs> well, it comes to me immediately right now. It's fueling my creative soul is community and connection. So I'm really exploring how I can use, I guess, use is the wrong word. I guess use, yeah, to use my network and to really get to know my network, basically. So I feel like I've gotten to know or I'm surrounded by really interesting people and I didn't know what to do with that. So my main project right now is this podcast that I'm doing called the Self-Help Songwriter Podcast. So that's really been on my mind lately, just connecting with all the songwriters that I know and reaching out to them. And the idea for the podcast is just to talk about one of their songs and just break it down. And to me, that's my favorite thing to do in the world. So I'm just really excited that I finally found a good container for that conversation to take place. I'm, it's just so fun and it makes me feel less alone because often in songwriting it can be a very solitary experience. So I can feel very alone in that. Mm. And it's just really nice to actually connect with other songwriters and delve into the meaning of their songs because in there we get a lot of, I feel a lot of resonance with them. I can really relate to a lot of these often universal themes and it's, I'm just feeling really, I'm basking in that glow of the community that I've built actually over years. And now I'm really I'm not afraid to approach them and to engage with them. And I'm just really excited. I know I'm going to be doing this like for the rest of my life, actually having these conversations. It's like so exciting. It's not actually songwriting, but it still feels like a creative expression in that way. So totally. Oh yeah. I find so many like resonant themes in what you're saying with my own journey too, of like, feeling alone in my artistry and like wanting to connect with other people and have conversations and then yes tapping into that community that you've built over years but really like having an outlet to be able to talk about some of these things that you're I can see them the way that you're talking about it like you're so passionate about it which makes me want to like know more about it and 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 soak in that passion so I think that's such a beautiful way that we can kind of spread the inspiration and passion so I love that you're starting a podcast and so I'd love if you could give our listeners a little bit more about you like who you are what you do where you live because I think where you live is kind of cool yes so it says, my name is Hannah Francis, and I am currently living in Stockholm in Sweden. I've been coming here my entire life, but I moved here permanently nine years ago. 
directly after I graduated college, I moved here. Other than that, I grew up in Indiana and, but I was born in Cleveland and was surrounded by Eastern European musicians growing up. And so that's why I, I love Balkan folk music. I don't write or create or even play Balkan folk music, but I do teach Balkan folk dancing, which pairs with Balkan folk music. Most folk music in general pairs with dancing. There's folk dancing and folk music. So I'm a Balkan folk dance teacher that comes first in the timeline of my life. And then another passion I have is actually Irish dancing. I'm in an Irish dancing performance group here in Sweden. There are only two of them (laughs) and I'm in one of them. Not the most active member, but it's like five of us and it's a really nice tight group. And it's, that was amazing to find that community here in Sweden because I, before then I hadn't danced and since I was 11 years old. So there's a 10 year hiatus I had. I danced from four to 11 competitively and I was very good for 11 and I'm still pretty good for 11. (laughs) So I kind of stayed at that level. And then I'm a songwriter and that's primarily how I identify is as a songwriter, I suppose. I don't like the term singer songwriter because like historically that's like folk singer. You write a song and then you perform it. That's just like a given, but you, everyone who's Yeah. So a folk singer to me is more the tradition that I'm from. Yeah. Also, since when I moved to Sweden, I hadn't even considered to perform my songs publicly. For me, it was purely basically a journaling exercise and a way for me to resolve emotions and at the same time prove to myself that I could write a song because to me, music is so important and has been I just connect with it so deeply, like so many of us do, but I was, I wanted to create, I wanted to create a song just to see if I could. And then the place where I was spending a lot of my time once I moved to Stockholm was a place called the Folklore Center. And the Folklore Center has existed since the mid fifties, but that was in Greenwich Village. And then in the mid seventies, the proprietor Izzy Young, I call him my adoptive grandfather because that's the only way that our relationship makes sense to people. (laughs) Like my best friend who's 90. He passed away two years ago though, so rest in peace. He, I've known him my entire life. My parents have been friends with him since before I was born. And so when I moved here, I spent a lot of time at his folklore center, which was a place, they had a folk music archive. They, he, it was only him. Incredible resource, incredible archives of things. Now it's all at the Library of Congress and you can, they have it all digitized. So I haven't quite figured out how to look it up stuff there yet, but wow, that's so cool. I'm going to figure it out and <laughs> including his diaries and stuff. It's amazing. So I was hanging out there a lot and helping him with arranging concerts and just hanging out with musicians and going to different concerts with Izzy and just just hanging out with Izzy. Mm. And he kind of introduced me to almost my entire Stockholm social life now. I mean, I can trace everyone I know back to Izzy. He's like ground zero for my social life in Stockholm. So 
And that's kind of with the podcast. It's funny. Most of the people who I'm talking to have played at Izzy's or knew Izzy, or that's how I know them. So it's kind of all coming full circle with that. So those are the main creative pursuits that how I identify and what I like to practice and kind of where they come from too. <laughs> mm, oh my gosh. That's so beautiful. And I love that connection with like this one person, Izzy and how, and, and you started with this talking about community and how that's kind of all blossomed. I think that's such a cool connection. And I'm curious too, about like you growing up with Eastern European musicians and being like really like immersed in this world of folk music, which is also interesting because I grew up immersed in the world of classical music. Both my parents were classical musicians and my sister's an opera singer and my mom yeah. had a classical music studio growing up. So I grew up like totally immersed in that world, but I think folk music is something it's again, like classical music where it's this like super niche world that if you're on the outside of it, you have no idea what it is. And so I have no yes. idea what the folk music niche community is like, but will you give us a little, yeah, tidbit of like what folk music is, how it's characterized and maybe some of your experiences, you know, really being immersed in it. Yes. Well, first of all, I was in operas when I was younger, actually like two or three operas because my hometown in Bloomington, Indiana has a huge music school, the Jacob School of Music. And oh. there's an opera house there. And the choir I was in, we did auditions to be in the opera. And that was, it's one of my favorite memories ever. And I was kind of convinced I was going to be an opera singer eventually, <laughs> but that didn't happen. So I also love classical music um, mm, I love that. and opera. But so folk music the Balkan folk music is from the Balkans. So that's the Balkan Peninsula, the tip of which is Greece. So mostly I'm talking about like Serbian music and Macedonian music. Mm. And Serbian music, that's maybe a little controversial, but former Yugoslav music mm. and Albanian music and yeah, all, all the countries in that region. And some of the musicians I also grew up with were doing klezmer, which is like Jewish music and also like Transcarpathian, which is more like Ukrainian, more kind of Northeastern um, European. So not the Balkans. So there was all sorts of music from there and it's hundreds of years old normally. So there are specific instruments that are associated with these regions. And then there's specific scales also and different rhythms and the thing I love about Balkan folk music and folk dancing is that you can hear what dance it is mm. when you listen to the music. Cause you know, like, oh, it's then you can hear, oh, it's this one. Or maybe there's dances you could do to that rhythm depending on what mood you're in. So it's really nice to be able to be, oh, this is a Chocek or, oh, this is a, you know, Lesno or whatever. And so I really love how it's so, again, the word community, it's so community based too, because with the folk dancing, the Balkan folk dancing anyway, it's normally done in a line and you're holding hands mm -hmm. and it's often for celebrations. So like weddings and just basically weddings. <laughs> and those are the main celebrations that people used to have. And you can look up, you know, Serbian wedding and people dancing and, you know, big brass band and just this huge line swirling people 
dancing and women in their, you know, stiletto heels. And it's just this incredible, incredible feeling and incredible fusion of all the different senses and all the different ways to interact with music. And it's such a beautiful thing when everyone is so like coordinated in their dancing of this music that they all know. And the, the rhythm, like the drum is, is so potent and is so it's like the heartbeat of the dance and it really, you can feel it. It's such a powerful thing and your brain shuts off and it's just really nice chemicals going on. And it's just a beautiful thing. But folk music also in terms of then the folklore center where I was talking about this guy, Izzy, that kind of folk. And I should explain more about who Izzy was and what the folklore center was because Izzy is, he's famed for having given Bob Dylan his first concert. Hmm. So he like discovered Bob Dylan, but I mean, Bob Dylan would have done fine without him, <laughs> but, but he basically this folklore center was the, it was the epicenter of the folk revival in the fifties. So think like Pete Seeger, Phil Oaks, like Joan Baez, hmm. all these people, Peter, Paul and Mary, all these people, even Jimi Hendrix went to the Folklore Center and taught Izzy how to play a scale. Like literally everyone famous from the 50s to the 70s went to the Folklore Center. In Stockholm? I mean, in, no, in New York, in Greenwich Village. Oh, in Greenwich Village. Okay, got Yes, it. so he moved to Stockholm in the mid-70s because okay. it was getting too commercial for him in New York. <laughs> so it was, yeah, so that folk music is like Bob Dylan, kind of what people think of now as singer-songwriter music. But that's, and I don't know enough about folk music. It's embarrassing how much I hung out at the Folklore Center and how little I know about the tradition of folk music, but it's hundreds of years old, this American, this more American folk music and like the Woody Guthrie is like the earliest example that I could think of that people would know for traditional folk music singer-songwriter wow. type person. Wow. So there's well, a different definitions of folk music that are totally. very different. Well, yeah, that already gives me like a little more like touchstones to hold on to, but it's just so cool to hear about a topic that I don't normally think about, but to like really just just feel again, like that passion that you exude from it is just so cool. I'm like, I'm fascinated now. And now I want to go read everything about folk music and read about Izzy and his yes. life. And like, it's just so cool how, yes. and also what you were talking about, the Serbian, the Serbian wedding and the dances and the folk dancing. And, and you were talking about flow state, about like being in that flow state dancing and community. And I just imagine yes. how powerful that must feel, especially yeah, like, you know, the kind of arts and creative practices that I do now are, are again, very solitary, like you were saying about songwriting. And so to feel all of, you know, that flow state, but, but like exacerbated times a million, because you have the energy of all these people and the musicians and the instruments to feed off of, I'm like, oh my gosh, what a party I have to do. I have yes. to do that. It's exhilarating. <laughs> mm, wow. And so I want to hear more about like your songwriting practice and the process of, of what it looks like and, and what it feels like to write a song. Where do you get the inspiration from? I know you mentioned journaling and then you were afraid to share your voice um, or share like, you know, your songs. And, and so take us a little bit on that journey and what, what that all looks like. 
So with songwriting, it's, it feels, it's such a personal process and it really, it builds over a long period of time normally. Mm-hmm. And usually there's a feeling or a confusion or just something that I'm kind of internally working out, mm. whether it's a relationship, whether it's optimism, whether it's sadness, whether it's, yeah, anything. It's usually building up over a long period of time. And then what happens is I'll be thinking about it or I won't be thinking about it, (laughs) either one. And words will just drop in my head from Mm -hmm. I don't know where. And it's usually a line. And that's usually the first line of the song. So normally the first line of the song comes first. Mm. And the, my then it's my favorite part, which is like, this is just, I feel like the gift of being a songwriter. Like this is just the experience that the universe is just giving to you and you can just enjoy it. So after the first line, then there can kind of be a flow after that. Mm. If I really get into the first line and just repeat it to myself a few times, or if there's a melody that's that the words kind of suggest just by their natural intonation and rhythm, then I'll just kind of drop into that. And then whatever comes next, it's usually pretty easy. If there's the first thing, then usually there's something else that comes after that. Or I'll sometimes I even think in my brain, (laughs) sometimes it's not just a feeling thing. When I'm lucky, my favorite is just the feeling ones. But sometimes I do have to think, okay, what logically follows this? Mm. Because it feels like, yeah, the first line is setting the stage. And then you just get a little bit more information with every line. So I like to build the feeling that way, kind of from the ground up in a way, Mm. from the first line. And then it can just expand. And then after I have my first few lines, I'm getting really like technical. <laughs> I like this. I like getting I this. it. <laughs> Usually and then I'll have, you know, a verse, uh verse or two and then that's kind of all you need and then you just need another section and then that's okay. it. And then you have a song basically wow. depending on where it wants to go, but that's when I'm really making it easy for myself, which I have to make it easy for myself. Otherwise it's so frustrating. Mm. (laughs) And usually it's worse songs too. It, the simpler, the better, the simpler, the better. That's Mm -hmm. very important to remember in art and life. And I, I like what you're talking about, like feeling this, like feeling based intuition, and then also the logical thinking mind coming into play when like crafting and for you, like, what does, how do you know when you have it? Like, how do you know when you're like, this is it? What is, can you explain like what that feels like? It feels good. (laughs) (laughs) Really? It's just this. The only other way I can describe it is like when, if there's a restaurant that has like your favorite meal Mm -hmm. and you know, you're going there. And then you go there and then it's exactly as amazing as you remember it. Mm. And you're just like, yes. Oh my gosh. I love, I love that. It's like that feeling, Yeah, that feeling of like, Ooh, all is right. This is, it's just incredible, but it's 
it's also like a, a feelings garden, like it just explosion in your soul. It really, and like, it's clicking at the same time. So like an explosion, but also clicking it's like grounded, but also expansive at the same time. It's just really, really nice feeling. And it does not happen very often. So, Oh, I love that. And yeah, I'm curious, like what happens when you're trying to make a song work or like what happens when you come up against those walls and you're like, like, what do you do in that moment? How do you move through those walls or those, or creative blocks as we like to talk about on this podcast, but like for you, what is, what does that feel like? Right. So I just described the mountain. Now this is the valley. Mm, love <laughs> just that. like, no, it really feels terrible. It feels terrible. It feels like you went to this restaurant. That's your favorite restaurant. And you're looking forward to your favorite meal and you eat it and it's not the same. <laughs> and you're like, this is not the same and it will never be the same. And I will never taste that ever again. And you're just, it's so disappointing. It's really the worst. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wish I didn't get so emotionally involved, but you know what? I actually, I like being in riding the wave. Let's not lie about it. Okay. I'm, I enjoy <laughs> I'm an artist. I like to be a little bit tortured, I guess, secretly. I think mm. I'm yeah, because then it, those lows make the highs so worth it. And you're like, this is what it, everything makes sense. Once you reach the peak and you're like, oh, that's where I had to go through the valley to reach the peak. That makes all sense. That all makes sense. Yes. And then you'll reach another valley again. Cause that's just the ups and downs of the creative process of life of everything. <laughs> yes. And sometimes I have to leave a song. Like I'll have three verses and I'm like, this is almost a whole song. Mm. And I, and I just have to walk away. I try, I try to go easy on myself. I try to do it. You know, I know all the tricks, you know, to try to be relaxed and then go into it. Like, it's not a big deal and then not judge it. And, but still nothing happens. And it's just after a couple of weeks, I just have to give up and then leave it and then maybe go back to it like a year later or something. Mm -hmm. I just finished one of the songs that I'm recording now. I'm recording three singles that I'll be releasing later in the summer. And I'm so excited about them. And one of them I wrote the verses on my 29th birthday. And then I wrote the chorus like after my 30th birthday. (laughs) So quite a long way, but I needed to wait in order to feel like the balance because the song needed a balance. Mm. And it was really beautiful what I wrote before and I loved it, but it needed something else and something that I couldn't give it yet. So I kind of love, even though it's so frustrating to not be able to just put it all together the way you can, you know, it can, you know, to see the potential fulfilled immediately. That's so satisfying. But I think, and at least in this specific scenario, that the end product is just so much richer and so much more meaningful and can be so much more transformative as, you know, as a song by me having gone through the transformation necessary to, to hold and to create that balance in the song Mm. to really ground the feeling because, and this is a song, oh, I'm just so excited to share it. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. I can't wait to hear it. And I, I love the way that you describe that of like, we can't rush the creative process and like things take time. And, and sometimes there are lessons that we need to learn before, like you said, we can find that balance. And I, I find that in my own work too, I write a lot of poetry and like sometimes I noticed this theme. I, I'm actually working on a project now where I'm going back and reading a lot of my old poems from like 2018, 2019, 2020. And I'm realizing that I answered I answered, like I had the answer before I had the question. So I will write something and I won't know what it, I, w- I won't know what it means or why I'm writing it, but I'm, I'm just writing. And then like, I'll look back a year later and be like, oh, I had the question a year later. And now this poem is answering the question that I'm having now. And it's just this like crazy, cool thing about being an artist and being, you know, in the process of life and like, just seeing how it all connects and time is not linear. And it's just, it blows my mind. Cause I'm like, how did I know that I was going to go through (laughs) that late? What? Like, it makes no sense, but then it makes perfect sense at the end. And so, yeah, I just had to share that. Cause I, I, that's something that's really relevant on my mind right now as I'm going through this. And it sounds like, you know, you've kind of had that same experience. Totally. That's so magical. And it's like, you're dancing with your past self in a way. It's a way, I really think it's so healing and to be able to engage with your different versions of you creatively can create such a gorgeous, like tapestry of meaning that you could never make from one point in time, like having multiple points in time come together to create an experience. I mean, what? Whoa, that like, I have chills that blows my mind of just your past, present and future self all working together. And that's always happening, even when we can't see it, even when we're not aware of it. Yes, that's happening. Oh, so cool. I love that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Going off on this a little bit. I know um, talking about like music and I think this speaks to this process of songwriting and how you can really learn about yourself. You can learn from your past self. You can learn maybe from your future self, from your present self for you. Like what, what, what has that given you? And I know that you call yourself the self-help songwriter, which I love. I, I love that so much. So will you talk a little bit about like what, what that means to you? What is that self-help? Like, how do you kind of bring all these different parts of yourself together? Yes. Well, self-help songwriter, I came up with that last December because I was realizing that the whole point behind all of my music, I really consciously try and subconsciously try to create a journey and to end up somewhere better than where I started. Mm -hmm. So when you're listening, you can really get into that first feeling and then it improves. (laughs) So for me, songwriting was always about that. It was always about making, you know, I was about to say making mountains out of molehills, but that's not good. Making (laughs) lemonade, I guess, you know, out of lemons and just making something beautiful out of something painful. Because, you know, when I started writing songs, I was pretty like angsty, pretty self-conscious, really feeling 
really bad about myself, really weird about being around other people, like really uncomfortable in general. And just interacting with my coping mechanisms a little bit too much. Let's say mm-hmm. I was at the beginning of my healing journey. Let's say, you know, in your twenties, you're kind of like, okay, let's see what let's fix my childhood now. <laughs> so that's kind of been the role of songwriting is to like fix these issues and to be like, what the F is going on? And what, what can this mean? If this is going to mean something good, what is that? And so just turning every terrible feeling and shifting it, turning it into something positive. That was really the main point of my songwriting. So, and I realized that is what I feel like I'm called to do, or, you know, is with music. That's the whole point is to bring people from wherever they are, just from point A to point B, just let's just make a little step just climb up the emotional ladder. And I realized, you know, that's like my, I'm like, I feel sneaky that that's my motivation. Like, haha, I'm going to make you feel better. And you won't even know why or how. And then I realized, well, that's a nice intention. I should like be honest about that and put that intention in front. So then that's why I came up with self-help songwriter. So that people see immediately, this is about self-help. This is about feeling better and doing what you can do to feel better. And also I write songs <laughs> mm. and that's why I'm writing songs. And that's the whole process is flushing out your emotions and then building something constructive with them. And so, yeah, I'm just trying to basically problem solve <laughs> with my songs in, in a way where I can really feel the difference because it's one thing to intellectually understand why someone's wrong for you or why this is no longer working or why any painful or confusing thing. We stop there. We understand. And so we're good. We think that, oh, I get it. So I'm fine. You know, I understand. So like, but you're not fine. You feel terrible still. Yeah. (laughs) Your mind really has, is not as powerful as you think it is in terms of it can't process stuff. Once you identify, then you have to process it. So for me, the songwriting is my way of processing it. And my hope and my wish and my intention is to help other people process those same things just by listening Mm. because I've listened to songs and it has helped me realize stuff. And it's really helped me go from point A to point B, like in a very helpful way. I mean, still to this day, I mean, there's songs that I go back to that it's like, they're like my mantra, you know? So I'm, I'm hoping also to give that to people and to really, if I start there, then what can happen? If I really put my mind to it, I think I can really have a beautiful, you know, create a beautiful experience for at least for myself, but hopefully for other people too. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. What you're talking about is like, it reminds me just why we create and like the healing powers of creativity and the role of the artist by the role of the artist being that mirror to other people so that because you've gone through these these experiences and you've made that your intention to alchemize something and experience a painful emotion or whatever that is by you going through that healing process yourself you are then holding a mirror to other people and giving themselves permission 
to go through that same journey with you as you as like their guide. And, and when you were talking about, and I was like, wait, do you coach people on songwriting? But then I love that it kind of transformed into this thing of, of no, that is the role of the artist of like, by you going through these journeys and creating these experiences for yourself, you then share that with others. And like, that's, that's why we share so that people can, can feel the same way without having to go through the same like you can make it easier on people by going through that process exactly. yourself. And so I love like, even in the wellness community, they talk about like healing yourself is like healing you yourself is healing the collectives. And so all this healing spiritual practice that we do, it's not just for us, it's for everyone around us, but it's the same thing with art too, of like when you're going through that journey and like looking into your deepest, most inner parts and revealing that to others and going through that journey on your own it's just so cool how that can be mirrored on, on other people's paths. And I'm, I would love to know what songs, like you said, that you could keep coming back to these songs that have been your mantras and that have helped you. So I'm, I'm curious, like what those are, if you, if you would like to share, you don't have to. Oh yeah. I would love to share. I love talking about Casey Musgraves. Do you know Casey Musgraves? I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's my most recent example of a song. And that was, that was like three years ago, that album came out golden hour. Mm. And when that came out, I had been with my boyfriend, my current boyfriend yay, um, (laughs) (laughs) for about six months or so. So really like in love and so insecure about it and really Mm. wanting to rush it and really not understanding why things weren't moving faster. I was like really impatient and really also almost not trusting him. I was really working through a lot of like abandonment issues and like betrayals, you know, stuff from childhood that I thought I had worked through and I had worked through, I think as much as I could have by myself. But then once you're in a relationship and you found someone that you actually love for like the first time ever, you know, it's triggering. So I was working through all these things at the time. And then Casey Musgraves comes out with golden hour and it was her album, mostly of love songs for her then husband. Now they're divorced. Oh no. (laughs) Um, They're married like two years, Uh, but it's a great album. And there are two songs on there that were really my mantras. One is, oh, what a world. And there's a line in there. Thank God it's not too good to be true. And she lists all these things that sound too good to be true, like the Northern lights and like, you know, things that glow in the ocean and all these beautiful natural phenomena. And she says, these are real things. These are real things. Oh, what a world. And for me, I get goosebumps just even saying that. I mean, (laughs) like these are real. And just because it's incredible does not mean that it's an illusion, does not mean that it's too good to be true. It's not too good to be true. Some things are just amazing and you need to freaking relax. (laughs) Mm. And another song from that album that helps me to this day is the slow burn. And the main line in that song is I'm all right with a slow burn. So for me, that was really, I was reminding myself as Abraham Hicks says to savor the unfolding. Mm. So just to really not push it. I really didn't need to be 
anywhere other than where I was. I didn't need anything more than that. It was beautiful for what it was. And I longed for the day where maybe we were more secure as a couple or something like that, or I was just more secure as a person within myself, let's be honest. And just to remind myself, I'm all right with the slow burn. I really, I really am. I don't want to press fast forward. I don't want to press fast forward on my life. I want to savor this. And that's a reminder that I need really often. Like, I don't want to press fast forward right now. This, this moment right here, let's not neglect right now, this moment, this is a good one too. Okay. <laughs> like there's something precious going on. What is it? You know, try just, and if you can't feel what that is, then at least just know that there's something worth experiencing now. Mm. So those two are my best, most recent examples of actually helping me in my relationship and helping me really calm down and, and realize the truth of it, that things can be great and things can be slow. And often those are both true at once. That was so beautiful. Thank you for like, first of all, just giving us a really specific, tangible example. I found myself relating to you in so many different ways of like, yeah, just same with my relationship and things that I've learned from that. And like, then finding these again, like touchstones of something tangible to hold on to of, of like, yeah, even just the specificity of the Northern lights and like those things that, yeah, we can, like, I've never seen the Northern lights, but I can conceptualize that. And I can imagine that. And I know that it's a real thing. So like bringing it back then to like the universal meaning of, you know, these beautiful, incredible things are real. And just even the way that you were talking about it made me think about your podcast and about like really breaking down a song and breaking down a line and how there's so much in just a word or phrase. And Mm -hmm. so I'm already so excited to listen to your podcast because I feel like when you go deep, you realize how rich it can be. And and it, Mm -hmm. again, it reminds me of like that savoring and really just slowing down and like engaging all the senses because it, it then opens Mm -hmm. up this like vibrant, rich, complex, deep experience that now like my senses feel on fire just from talking to you. So I'm just so excited. This is so cool. Yay. Me too. Yes. And that's the thing with every little detail about with every little component of songs and probably every creative expression, there is a world in there. It's like the cells, you know, the more you zoom in, the more, or you zoom out, it looks the same, you know, Mm. Yeah, like in trees or whatever natural things (laughs) where oceans look like trees or rivers look like trees. (laughs) I love that. And so curious as we begin to like wrap up, what are some of those rituals or practices that you do? Is it a daily practice with songwriting? I know you said it's kind of like a, a buildup and like kind of this like collection phase. And so I'm curious, like, what are those rituals or their self-care practices that you do daily or not daily, but what are like kind of some of those common ones that you do? I love that question. There's nothing daily. The the only thing daily for me is just checking in and kind of just trying to connect with that part of me. Like, how is she doing? And most days she just wants to go for a walk. Most days 
the creator. I just want to like absorb the world. That's how I feel. I think that's what takes up the most time in my process is just kind of subconsciously processing stuff and just mm. being also I've mentioned in our talk before, you know, for in terms of human design, I'm a projector. So I really need a lot of rest <laughs> oh, cool. and to not push and to take things slow. So to have this slower pace in life is really helpful. That's also why I go back to that song, because even in terms of my creative process, I need that, not just my relationship. And I just need to make sure that I am playing guitar and I'm singing a couple times a week. That's really the upkeep for me because I love singing and I love just making songs from my face and with my hands with the guitar. I mean, that is as long as I'm doing that and then also taking it easy on myself and putting myself kind of in a position to absorb and like process stuff. Those two things are the most important. And then journaling also at least once a week, I need to journal and something's going to happen when I'm journaling. Mm. Something's going to happen. And the fourth thing <laughs> is just listening to music. Listening to music is really important. Other than that, and then that's where I'm focusing most in my creative process is just making sure that my input and also my soul, I'm taking care of that, that I'm being gentle and and then with the output, kind of just enjoying the output and not putting pressure on that. Because the whole point of all of this, <laughs> I just posted on Instagram yesterday, yeah, that so often we can turn the thing we love into the thing that makes us hate ourselves. Mm. Like I love songwriting and then it's like, oh, but I don't write that many songs. I don't write a song every week. So a part of me is like, that's terrible and that's stupid. And that does a little bit make me feel bad about myself. And like, I'm not a real songwriter or whatever, but intellectually, I know that's wrong. I have to shut that down because the whole point of all of this, of life in general, but especially with songwriting for me is to feel better, to enjoy, to elevate the life experience. And if I'm using it as an excuse to make myself feel bad, then I might as well just not do it. Oh. So I'm really trying to cut that cycle of guilt-fueled thinking off just at the beginning and just focusing on the input and the output is just bonus. <laughs> oh, that is so beautiful to hear and just reminds me of like just that surrender and trust and trust in your process. And I love that you brought in human design and knowing knowing that you're a projector. So knowing that you need that extra rest and like, just, it's a constant reminder of like giving ourselves permission to continue to soften into that because yeah, I felt that in my own practice. I've, I know that I've seen that in many others where you, you come to it because you love it, because it makes you feel good because of all these things. And then we put the ego mind on it of like, well, it has to mean that you're producing a certain amount or, you know, right. if you're not doing X, Y, and Z, then you're not a real, you know, then that imposter syndrome kicks in, but to come back to like the original intention of it. And I'm like, why, am, what am I doing this for? Yes. And I think that's just such a, a beautiful reminder that I needed today that we all need. I'm sure people Yay. listening will need. And so just Thank you for giving us that gift. I'm like, yes. Oh, feeling so good. And so I happy. love, 
I, I love to share creative resources with people. And so you've already mentioned some amazing artists that I'm definitely going to put in the show notes and check out myself. But what are some things that typically inspire you when you're looking for that input? What are some of your favorite musicians or things that you keep coming back to? Ooh, I love that question. Things that I keep coming back to. Well, I just have some favorite songs and some favorite bands that I could suggest. Yes. <laughs> There's one album in particular, which is incredible called Wonder Wheel by the Klezmatics. And they play like klezmer music, but okay. also in a different cool way that would be more palatable, I think, to the modern listener. And Wonder Wheel is they put Woody Guthrie words to new music. As far as I've understood it, they might also have just simply covered him in some songs, but it's Woody Guthrie songs done in this cool, different way, this klezmer way. And this woman, Lisa Gutkin does the music for them. I think mostly. And actually two members of that band were in a band with my parents in New York. Oh my God. Before I was born. So I have that connection with them, but they're even other than that, they're just incredible. That album won a Grammy and it has one of my favorite songs on it. That is my, if I'm feeling absolutely hopeless, like truly at my worst, this song is the only thing that will make me feel better. Like when I can't even eat or sleep, this is, this song will help me feel better. It's called, I'm going to get through this world. Mm. Yeah. So I'll send that to you. It's so good. (laughs) Yeah. I can't wait to listen. Wow. And other than that, I would also say to just look up on YouTube, Serbian weddings, just get that energy, you know, I would recommend just putting yourself in that mind space, in this community celebration, high energy. And if there's anywhere near you, where you live, there probably is some sort of Balkan party, go to it, go <laughs> to it. If you're vaccinated or whatever, yes. Yes. <laughs> oh go, my go there. <laughs> oh, that's so much fun. Thank you. And where can people find you if they want to connect with you? And when the podcast is out, where can you yes. all that stuff? On Instagram, I'm at self-help songwriter and my website is selfhelpsongwriter.com. Perfect. So easy. Thank you, Hannah. This was amazing. Thank you so and much. I'm, I'm just like so grateful that we've met and that we've connected. We're like in the same fabric of the same, the same thread of the same fabric of the same tapestry. And I'm just like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Life is magic. <laughs> Life is magic. Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode and thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, please feel free to share it with a friend and tell them what inspired you. Or if you'd be so kind, you can rate and review the podcast. And when you do, I would love to gift you my free guided writing meditation that will connect you to your creativity, yourself, and your spirituality. Just go on over to my Instagram at Leah Van Doren. That's L-E-Y-A-V-A-N-D-O-R-E-N and send me a screenshot of your review and I will send over the meditation and I would love to hear your thoughts. Stay inspired, stay creative, and keep shining your creative soul.